So when it comes to Christmas Eve services, uh, there's uh, a difficulty in trying to figure out what to say and what not to say. What to talk about, what not to talk about. Which story do you preach? What do you work through? Um, What songs do you sing? What songs don't you sing? I mean, there's so much that goes into it. And as I was thinking through and praying about the Christmas story this year that we would look at, I wanted to look at two people, just very briefly, very briefly, two people who really get overlooked in the Christmas story regularly. Their story is actually found in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25, and I'm going to read their story, and then we'll go back and, and, and kind of pick pieces of it out and make application. This is the the story here in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25, it says this, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout. He was looking forward to the comfort of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. So guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace, as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all the people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. His father and his mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce his own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess named Anna, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. Now she was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. She didn't leave the temple, serving God day and night with fasting and prayers. And at that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. That's a common Christmas story you hear about every day, right? I can give you a few reasons why. Uh, Their names are Simeon and Anna. When you think about Simeon and Anna, they are very colorful characters, probably characters who you and I would be uncomfortable hanging out with in our local church. You've got Simeon, who's one of those guys, probably one of the older gentlemen within the church who uh, doesn't find a lot of things awkward and isn't afraid to speak his mind, kind of the uh, modern-day curmudgeon. So he's the one that will say, on the same Sunday, music is too loud. Then, music was too quiet. Or... It's cold in the sanctuary, or it's too warm in the sanctuary. He's the guy who just kind of lays out there exactly what's on his heart. Hey, you know what? It's raining out. I'm not happy. But you know what? Life's hard, right? Get over it. I mean, that's Simeon. Simeon's that kind of guy. Then you got Anna. Anna's a lady who married young. The average age of marriage at this time was between 12 and 15. So moms, dads, tomorrow morning when you're sitting around the Christmas tree, look at your 12 to 15-year-old daughter. Imagine that. Anna gets married young. She's married for seven years. Then her husband dies. She lives as a widow for upwards of 84 years. So we're not exactly sure how old she is, but she is probably in her late 90s. And I'm here to tell you, I am not one of those guys who is comfortable standing up while he is speaking, telling you which age makes you old. 
However, when the Bible says she was well along in years, if you're here in your mid-90s, you should be like, yeah, I'm old, get over it. Right? All right, good. We'll get that away there. This lady, Anna, is always in the temple. It says she's there day and night offering uh, uh, prayer and fasting. She's always there. She never goes home. She practically, and if not literally, lives there. So folks who are in town visiting your mom, you think your mom's in church all the time? She's junior varsity compared to Anna. Anna's there constantly, and she's one of those enthusiastic worshipers in service. She probably brings her own tambourine. Yeah, some of you giggle a little uncomfortably. You know those people. So, so one of the reasons I think we don't look at the story very often is simply because of who these characters are. They make us very uncomfortable. But you know what? Every local church has people like this. And I just watched some of the looks on your face like, yeah, I, I, I know who it is. And then there's some of you in here that are like, yeah, I don't think our church has those people. <laughs> Guess who's those people? So now you've got Mary and Joseph who are following the custom of the law, and they're bringing a sacrifice for their newborn son, Jesus. And they come into the temple, and upon entering the temple, upon entering the temple, Simeon, old curmudgeon Simeon, comes running to the baby, grabs the baby, and you can picture it almost like Lion King, holding him up, like, oh, this is the one! This is the one! This is the one I've been waiting for! And Mary and Joseph are like... And it says right when that happens, Anna starts running up to people, and you can picture her grabbing their faces like, this is the one who's come! This is the one who's come! Now, I, they're a little different, and, and I'm just going to be honest, we love having guests at Uniontown Bible Church, but if you show up, snag a baby boy, and hold him over your head and start shouting, we're going to tase you, okay? <laughs> so, just telling you that now. All right. <laughs> um, please don't test me to see if I was telling the truth. I don't want to have to repent for lying already. See, all of their lives, they had been waiting for hope to show up in front of them. For, for, for all of their lives, they had been waiting for God to keep his promise, because they knew God would keep his promise, they just didn't know when, and it seemed like it would never come because they were waiting and waiting and waiting until that day, until that day, the answer of all their prayers, the solution to all of their brokenness. See, because things weren't that much different 2,000 years ago than they are now. They, too, lived in great brokenness. They, too, lived in a great mess. They, too, were, were victims of the sin nature that dominates our world today. They, too, were active participants in the sinfulness of the culture and the community. And every day they woke up after watching, I don't know what kind of news they had back then, but flipping the channels or just talking in the local square and sitting there listening to some of the people talk about things that were happening in neighboring towns. And they had to have just, just continue to shake their heads thinking, is it ever going to end? You ever felt like that? And so they would go to the temple every day waiting waiting and waiting and you know what ends up happening and today today what we see in our culture today is a culture that is trying to solve that problem and that angst in their soul this time of year they're trying to solve it by burying their head in the sand of christmas sentimentalism 
So what you see is every single one of us is guilty of this. We all watch every Christmas movie we can possibly watch, even if we know it's going to make us cry or we hate the movie. We still, it's like, it's Christmas, I'm obliged, got to, click, right? Every single one of us eats ourselves stupid at Christmas. Every single one of us, well, that's not true, that's a lie, this is an exaggeration, so I won't say every single one of us, but I will say, you're watching our culture quickly turn to the place where they start listening to Christmas carols in April to try to get the feels, because the sentimentalism of Christmas should be enough to carry them throughout the year and all the darkness and brokenness that exists outside of December. But if that's you, let me tell you, it won't even make it through the 26th. Because what will end up happening is you'll have a huge frustration and disagreement at your in-law's house about who's supposed to sleep where and when. And you'll realize quickly that your hope is anchored in the wrong thing. See, for Simeon and Anna, they knew that one day they would see hope. One day they would see, they would see the promised one. One day they would see the one who was going to come and take away all of their sin, would take away all of their, 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 their difficulty. The one who would come and crack the darkness like a candle does in the darkness of midnight. And they waited. And they waited. And they waited. Until that glorious day that Mary and Joseph walked into the temple. And they knew. I have seen your salvation. Take me now. Right? What's amazing is what Simeon didn't see was he didn't see a five-year plan that was going to pull them out of the darkness. What he didn't see was a new uh, a social program that was going to step in and solve the social ills of the day. What he saw wasn't a what, it was a who. And what you and I need to understand is here at Christmas, what we celebrate is a baby. Isaiah chapter 9 tells us that there was a child who's going to come, and he's going to come as a light into the darkness. And I'm here to tell you that child has a name, and his name is Emmanuel. His name is Jesus. That child has a face, that scrunched up, loud face of a baby that grew up to be a man who would willingly take your place on a cross so that you could be at peace with the God who you've offended in your sin. But not only did he willingly take your place on that cross, he kicked down the door of the grave three days later. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father. And one day we will have the privilege of shouting at the top of our lungs, wonderful counselor, prince of peace, everlasting father, one day, we'll see him. And that's possible because Jesus split the darkness in half to rescue you. That's Christmas. That's Christmas. So if you're here tonight and you don't know anything about Christmas other than it's supposed to be snowy out and it's not, and you're supposed to get really good presents, but you probably won't, if that's what you know about Christmas, let me tell you, there's so much more. Christmas is about God's mission to come to us 
and rescue us out of our sin. I, I, I know, a sin, well, we can't talk about sin at Christmas. We have to. We have to because without sin, there was no need for Jesus to come. And we're told in 1 John, for any of us that say we don't have sin, God's real clear. He says, um, I'm sorry, you're a liar. See, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because of our sin, we have been separated from God. We're helpless to do anything about ourselves. We, we, we can't pray hard enough. We can't give enough. We can't dress up nice enough. We can't carry a big enough Bible. We can't go to church often enough. We have broken God's heart as we've rebelled against him. And we can't do anything about it ourselves other than this, saying yes. Yes when God says, you're a sinner and you need a savior. God, saying yes when God says, I want you to know who that Savior is. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Would you receive him as your Christmas gift this year? We, we have all kinds of opportunities here at Uniontown Bible Church. We would love to pour into you and talk to you and sit down with you and answer your questions about the Bible and about who Jesus is. We'd love to start that tonight. When you leave this place, if you have questions, you can kind of swing around the door there right on your way out. There's a, a little kiosk there, and you can grab a Bible. We'll hand you a Bible. You can ask some people some questions there. They'll get you connected with people. We would love to tie you in. Why? Because we want a bigger church? Nah. Because we want a few more neighbors in heaven when we get there. So we'd encourage you to, to reach out and grab somebody and have a conversation tonight. As, as, as I finish up, let me remind you of, well, let me just do it here. Let me remind you of Simeon's words. As he holds baby Jesus over his head, now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you have promised because my eyes have seen your salvation. May our eyes be filled with the light of God's salvation when heaven came down for us in the form of a little baby. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness and your patience towards us. Thank you that you have not given up on us. Lord, I know there are people in this room who think they have gone too far or sinned too much. But Lord, I, I'm, I'm positive. I, in fact, I'm so positive because your word says it. That, that because we have breath in our lungs, there is still an opportunity for us to come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior. So Father, each person here, it's not too late. So I pray that the one here who doesn't know Christ tonight would come to know him. I pray that they would understand that there's nothing they can do to, uh, to achieve your acceptance, but their acceptance is purchased for them through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now Lord, as we close our service this evening with some more songs, I pray that our hearts would be open, that we would be blessed by the words of the songs being reminded and pushed towards not just the manger, but the cross and the empty tomb. For it's in Jesus' good name I pray, amen.